0: G'day, talking about pedagogy with Ryan Shelton, Deputy Principal of Learning at Holy Cross College. This podcast is by teachers for teachers on the art and science of teaching. Holy Cross College is a pre-kindergarten to year 12 Catholic school situated in the metropolitan area of Perth, Western Australia. As an Apple Distinguished School, the college is a global leader in contemporary 21st century pedagogies that are Christ-centered and student-focused. The college's vision for learning allows for all students to be engaged, challenged, and progressing. Welcome to today's episode. I'd like to introduce to you today, Emily Lowe. Emily is an innovator here at Holy Cross, which is a really funky title to say that she's a part of our learning leadership team and is a driver of our future focus of the college. She leads our big ideas program in year seven, which we'll talk a little bit about throughout the podcast, um, which is a really exciting process that looks at the Michael Fullan six C's and deep learning and explicitly runs through that with the students over the course of the year. So, Emily's really passionate about that. Outside of uh, big ideas, Emily is a modern history teacher and an English teacher. She teaches right through to year 12 level um, and is a YouTuber. Uh, And as a YouTuber, she looks at open-ended play for young children. She's got a daughter of her own and her little daughter is so into playing with all of these Montessori toys and wood stuff and all of this uh, that's well beyond my expertise. I'm still playing with um, trucks and cars and all of that myself. So let me introduce you to Emily. Em, it's great to have you here today.
1: Thanks for having me. This is exciting.
0: Yes. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself um, outside of what I just said um, and what gets you excited in education?
1: Um, It's been a bit of a learning curve for me. When I I first started at Holy Cross, which is almost 10 years ago, which is absolutely terrifying to think about, um, I think I came out of uni with the idea that a lot of teachers do that... You know, your subject area is the most interesting thing and, and what matters is focusing on that subject area and driving this, this content and this understanding and for yourself, moving up through teaching the year level so that you can ultimately teach year 12. And as much as that is great, I think I've discovered in the intervening years that there are things that matter a lot more than that, um, which is giving the students the skills to become learners outside of these these subject silos that we force them into so over the course of that experience and coming to get to know the idea of the six C's I think that this is where education is heading this idea that we're providing students with the skills to become well-rounded people lifelong learners and able to respect themselves and the environment around them
0: And So for those that are new to Michael Fullan's six C's, perhaps you haven't heard of it before, you've been living under a rock and been too busy learning all of your content knowledge for your classroom. Michael Fullan's six C's, there's a great book that you can read called Deep Learning, uh, where he really unpacks that and he defines deep learning as the attainment of these six C's. Now these six C's, and this will test me off the top of my head here, we've got character, citizenship, critical thinking, creativity, collaboration and communication and that's bonus points to me be able to rattle that off straight away. So if we look at these six C's M, what, what stands out to you about them for children? why do they need that more than to understand what happened in Russia through World War one?
1: Because we live in a world where information is absolutely everywhere. We are essentially looking at an educational system that's come out of a time when content knowledge was prized above all else, and it's a very industrial system, whereas the six Cs are all that we have got as humans that is going to hold us ahead of the emergence of technology in the next 50 to 100 years. Um, Artificial intelligence can do a lot of things, but these are essentially human skills that we, we can't have by typing a question into google we can find any of this content at the press of a button but these skills are part of being human and developing them is something that is unique to humanity and unique to children in a way that content knowledge no no longer is
0: now one of the ways you can develop these six c's is through one of the ways that Michael Fullen talks about a lot is things like project-based learning and, you know, this idea of big inquiry projects where you get into real-world issues and you go and resolve that and work through that. And that's how we can specifically teach the students that. Now, we do that at Holy Cross, and we'll talk about how you can also integrate this into your classroom. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the Big Ideas program that we run, and then how do you teach the students to capture the six Cs through Big Ideas?
1: So, Big Ideas has always existed at Holy Cross. It's been one of the foundational um, aspects of the school, but it's changed a lot over the years. So initially, we have always done project-based learning, but we were initially drawing on content from subjects to kind of fuel these questions and these inquiries. And while that worked, when we turned that around and said, okay, well, our our goal here is to develop the six C's and therefore our project design, um, our inspiration can come from anywhere, we find ourselves with the opportunity to ask totally open-ended questions that that may not actually have an answer and the learning within those projects is very much guided by the students, their talents, their interests and their, their abilities but along the way they are picking up how to collaborate with others, can they come up with some critical thinking question design. So Big ideas might be kind of the, the perfect environment when you've got time and space dedicated to project-based learning and you can create big projects or short projects as you see fit and you have the ability to kind of wander off the path when you see the student's interest develop. But this can exist in the classroom as well. So, for example, in, in HASS, in humanities, inquiry is an essential part of the project and we tend to fall into the habit of doing very very structured inquiries that follow a set path of steps or a particular way or a particular format that perhaps our school has always done. But there's no reason that we have to do things that way. We can shake things up, we can design our own inquiry format, we can have the the kids design their own, we can have them choose from what's out there, we can give them the opportunity to reason between, why is this one better than that one? You know, Mm -hmm. how can I answer this question differently? Is this perhaps a question with no answer? Which I think really digs into those deep skills while still drawing on those curriculum points that, you know, let's face it, every subject teacher has to address. I think even in something like maths, um, I remember a few years ago, well, actually a number of years ago now, it's scary to think how far back, my year eight students designed and built their own garden. And part of that was the maths of how they would design these garden beds and then then they went to Bunnings and budgeted the entire thing. So it's about drawing on those real world experiences while learning those practical content and skills that are a part of the, the essential high school subjects.
0: That's right. And, and, and recognising that sense of the real world, I, I, I've noticed in young people, and it makes me sound really old <laughs> now, um, I've noticed in young people that they don't get into current affairs unless it's something a part of their feed on Facebook, which is already sent to them by Facebook that's already controlled by some robot anyway. Um, that Like a lot of, for example, year 12 students actually wouldn't know what the Liberal Party is and what the Labour Party is and who the leader is of each of those. Um, and so I kind of have a responsibility for us in education to educate good citizens. And and one of the ways we can do that is when a student brings up something or learns something in class, is that going that next step with that to go, well, why don't you write a letter to your politician about that? Or why don't you follow that through? If you've got an issue with this, let's say, for example, if we're, you know, studying something like feminism in English, like, are we going to just stop it at looking at the history of that? Or are we going to take the next step onwards? Now that's building then citizenship, critical thinking, character and these explicitly in everything that we do have you had experiences around any like that
1: yeah definitely and I think in designing a a big ideas project that is is what I would value as a a high quality project it has to have some element of change so it's not just discovering the status quo it's not coming up with, with why something is the way it is or how it got there it's well where do we go from here so just a recent example last year my year seven's looked at a project called Is There Space For Us, which examined the question of should humanity develop a Mars colony if it needs to, and then how would we do that? But once they had answered those essential questions, we had to then go and say, well, okay, if if we've decided that this is perhaps not the best option for us, or even if it is, what do we need to change so that humanity can have a long and thriving existence here on Earth? And that led the students to say, well, okay, here are some very small actions that I can implement in my own life. You know, previously when we've done things that have been more environment-focused, I've had students write to politicians and companies. They have become really, really invested and excited in the idea that they have the power to make an impact, which in an age where I think a lot of people, you know, including people in their, their 20s, 30s and 40s, are a bit along the sort of mindless consumer line because that is what's thrown at us all the time. We want kids who are going to question the information that they are fed, especially when it's fed to them by these heartless algorithms. Yes. And then they're going to take something that gives them some sort of feeling, some sort of passion, and they're going to act on it. Because that is what is going to – that is true citizenship. That's what's going to make them a well-rounded person. That is what is going to give meaning and purpose to their lives as they grow older. It's not content.
0: Uh, one of my favourite things that I saw you do with the year sevens a few years ago was there was a group of year sevens that identified that there was a staff member that wasn't on board with stewardship and <laughs> the uh, environment, environmental changes, and single use plastic. I
1: wonder who that was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so I remember those students strapping a whole bunch of uh, single use plastic to this staff member's chair in their office to prove a point about how much they're ruining their environment, so, you know, there's a good way of pursuing something in real-world, authentic audiences.
1: I think with teenagers, we teenagers get a bad rap for being apathetic, but I think given the opportunity, they really are able to take, get excited and take action. They're just so used to being told, no, you can't do that, that they almost don't think to ask. And, yes, not every project you're doing and not every global question, not every global issue is going to entrance every student, but hopefully, if you are presenting them with these opportunities on an ongoing basis, and not just in a class like Big Ideas, but in their their individual subjects as well, you are going to draw on those passions. You're going to find that little thing in every kid mm. that excites them and that gets them to want to take action, and that will stay with them you know, as they as they grow up, which is what we want.
0: That's right. So let, let's think about here. So we're looking here at a. a um, you know, a purpose-built opportunity through a project like Big Ideas and other schools do multi-period subjects like we do with Big Ideas where you can kind of invest time into this. And if you haven't looked at schools like High Tech High or what's it called, Chicago Tech High and things like that, you know, these schools really invest themselves in this sort of model. For a school that just followed a normal, well, well let's call it traditional, not necessarily normal, a traditional model of we just do our core subjects and we have these timetables going each week and if I was to walk into one of those classrooms, I'd see you know a teacher delivering content, students um, hopefully absorbing that content and then doing some activities that are related to them extending their understanding on that content. What would I see in a class that is investing themselves in understanding and utilising soft skills? What would be different to, if I was to walk into one of your classrooms, for example, or a class that is looking at these six Cs, um, what would I see that's different?
1: I think essentially it comes down to person first, not content first. And I know here we've had a huge drive on student agency and voice, which plays yeah. into this beautifully. So we offer the students the ability to, to design their own projects, their own methods, their own questions within that classroom structure. And this is something that can be brought into any classroom, even one that's got a more traditional framework. But it's about moving away from the idea of teacher delivery, which you know, as we know, pedagogically is quite outdated and lots of schools yeah. are really doing their best to move towards that. But if you have a common goal as a school is, this is the kind of person we want to produce. We're not just trying to produce an amazing English student or amazing math students. You get kids that are amazing at those things, But as a school, we're about more than that. So you're looking at the trickle-down effect of what it was that your school wanted to produce and then you're saying, well, okay, if we want confident and creative young people who can go out there and make a success of anything they tackle, what do I need to adjust in my teaching, in my classroom, that's going to give them the opportunity to develop those skills? We can't just let them go at 18 and say, well, okay, you should be like this now if we haven't given them the opportunity to present that. So... I think as a teacher, if you are in more of that traditional environment and if that's your model, it's just about incremental changes to say, well, okay, where can I provide the students an opportunity to learn some of these softer skills? Can I, interp- uh, can I incorporate a little bit of collaborative learning, but not just putting them in groups and saying, have about it, but working into, okay, what does successful collaboration look like? Now let's utilise that for this particular project you as a teacher can upskill on any of these soft skills because as teachers, they're ones that we all use anyway. <laughs> you know, they're, they're essential to our jobs. Mm-hmm. But how can we make sure that the students are getting the opportunity to develop those within that those specific curriculum subjects? And yes, I understand, believe me, I understand how many demands are on a particular subject curriculum, how many boxes have to be checked, how much as admin there has to be done. But I think what teachers find the more that we utilise these soft skills, the more they develop. You are getting that little bit more independence out of your learners along the way. So you have a little less spoon feeding, a little less works all on you and a little bit more independent learning and drive from the students, which is great all around.
0: And look, for some teachers that haven't shifted to this sort of a model yet. One of the challenges is if I haven't articulated it with my voice then the students mustn't know it. (laughs) And it's almost an ego thing isn't it? But to me There's so much to be gained out of seeing that smile on that student when they've worked it out themselves, but you're doing just as much teaching. There's this idea that like to go to a model like this means that the teacher's fully hands off. It's actually in some respect more work because you've got to guide them. You've got to put them on the train tracks to get them to that point. An example I could give was um, my year 12 students. Now this is an ATAR course going towards of in one of the most curriculum heavy subjects going around. And what we did for a project um, two years ago for a, um, a, a task was, yes, we did our, uh, the, our content, we taught the students through what was going on and they worked through a whole bunch of different activities to gain a deeper understanding of the particular curriculum content that we were looking at. Um, But we took the students a step further and we said, and this particular topic was about current issues in society, and in West Australia, we recently had um, going through parliament, our voluntary assisted suicide bill going through, um, a voluntary assisted dying sorry, um, bill that was going through. And so, the students finished with an essay, their their actual, um, I suppose, written component of the task. But the next step of the assessment that we added in is we actually brought in some politicians and representatives from both sides of the debate and the students had to stand behind a little expo stand that they'd put together and tell these people on each side of the debate what their next step should be. And the students were freaking out about it because they had an authentic audience in front of them who knew what they were talking about and these people were marking them on how well they knew their understanding. Now my year 12s, their content knowledge went through the roof because suddenly now they were accountable to their learning, it wasn't just an essay that they had to write, and we were able to, that only took two extra lessons, but their now knowledge was so much more advanced for what they could produce in a silly exam at the end of the year, Um, and they'd also had to engage in the real world. Um, and a lot of my students got to the end of a topic like that and went, I don't know where I stand on this because it's so complicated either side. And to me, that was good because it caused them to think critically about a different issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so, th- there are many ways that we can do this in the classroom and, and challenge ourselves. What tips, Sam, could you give to people if perhaps teachers haven't thought about using soft skills in the classroom and, and working with that? Just day-to-day practices, what are some things that they can do to challenge students more with the six Cs?
1: Well, I think the first thing that we have to look at, and this is, is a bit bigger than a specific tip, but we have to let go of having this massive fear of failure mm. because when you open yourself up to project-based learning or to investigating the soft soft skills or the six Cs or even um, incorporating more of that student agency and voice, sometimes it's not going to work. Yeah. yeah. And we're very achievement-driven People, almost all teachers are. So for us, standing back and letting kids fail at things and letting them struggle is really, really hard. And I I even see this (laughs) with my two-year-old, part that we try to practice the more Montessori approach at home. And I'll see her working on activity and it's not working and she's not getting it and I I literally have to sit on my hands (laughs) to stop getting in there and correcting her and moving her hands and fixing it for her and I'm like, if I don't help her she's going to lose it and (laughs) you know these pieces could end up all over the the floor when she gets so frustrated and I think as teachers we have a desire to want to fix things for our students to get in there and and really step it through to them but sometimes the biggest learning comes with that ability to fail yeah and then the character equation comes in well okay well how do we deal with that failure do we try again do we say not what I need right now is to take a five minutes out and take a deep breath before I'm ready to hear about this. Mm. You know, we have to come overcome that urge that we can fix everything for our kids because we, we des- they deserve to become resilient and we need to give them the opp- opportunity to do that. So, yes, giving them opportunities to fail in your classroom and taking on the fact that sometimes that may, may look like a failure on you I think yeah. is the first and probably the hardest tip for teachers, and then letting go of control. It's right. so, so hard. When I started, I walked into the classroom and I thought I had to control everything. I had to control <laughs> where each student sat and exactly how they spoke and what we were doing every step of every day. And now I look at my Big Ideas classroom and I call it creative chaos.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, you've walked in there and you've seen what it's like. But yeah. there is nothing like that buzz that comes from the fact that the kids are doing it and they are owning it. So you have to step back. You have yeah. to give them the chance to do it themselves. You have to be okay with failing. And you have to be okay with that uncomfortable silence when you say, well, okay, what are you going to do about this? And they don't know. And you just have to let them sit with that for a while. Because it's it's out of those uncomfortable silences and it's out of even, well, with with little kids, as we say, it's out of boredom, mm. comes this independent learning and independent play and all the things that they're so capable of. But our overstimulated world and our overly structured approach is perhaps robbing them of
0: that's right and because one day you know the reality is is that one day they're going to have a boss that's going to ask them to solve things and they're going to need to be able to work it out themselves and if they can't they lose their job and they don't succeed in life and so you know uh, uh, what a boss wants is not um how well we understand poetry although really important what a boss wants is Do we have the ability to critically think? Do we have the ability to draw in the strengths of others if I don't have the skill set to do it myself? Do I have the ability to get across by communicating something that I've now attained for others to come along the journey? Like that's what's going to lead to success and we as educators have a responsibility to get people to that.
1: Well, even if you look at our, our modern world, there's an increasing chance that the students that graduate from our schools in the next 10, 20 years will be their own boss. Mm. And so to be an entrepreneur and to be someone who's out there in, in increasingly creative industries, you have to have developed that. You know, Some people are born with particular you know, music or athletic talents and that's great. But in terms of what our, our career pathways look like and, again, the, the fact that they will be competing with various mm. technologies, you've got to have more than that. Your content knowledge doesn't matter, but you've got to be a person who can adapt and thrive in the modern world. And you also have to be able to work with others. Yeah, that, that is challenging. And effective collaboration is not can we sit in a group and each do this one segment of work. It's how do we work together to create something really exciting that draws on each person's knowledge and understanding and their skills, which I think is, is unavoidable. And if you don't have that, you're going to struggle. And We don't want that for our kids.
0: That's right. And it's not always face-to-face as well. Nope. You know, We've got to learn how to embrace things like the ability to communicate through texting and things like that, or video conferencing, or audio recordings, or whatever it is. We've got to find ways to connect across the board um, for success moving forward. Um, so... I, this has been a fascinating conversation, Emily. Um, do you have any final advice for people and or why they should dip into this?
1: Look, I think the world has changed. Yeah, the world has changed since we were at school when we were very comfortable with, okay, there's this particular pattern that you follow. Yeah. You're going to go down path A to uni. You're going to go down path B to a trade. You're going to go down path C to a job. It's not like that anymore. The world doesn't fit comfortably in boxes. I mean, even if you look at that, I don't know if you've seen the university ads that um, UWA and Murdoch have put out recently about what they're looking for in students—creative yep. and critical thinkers. You know, and while I think that that's marginally hypocritical because a lot of <laughs> a lot of uni pedagogy has a long way to go, <laughs>
0: the
1: the ideas are out there. So if we as schools are producing people who are going to be sought in that environment, they're going to be sought by employers who are looking for something different and someone different, you know, we have the responsibility to create students that are ready for a 21st century world. We do not owe anything to the industrial system of the past. We need to realise that we need to adapt and change and we need to create kids that are
0: adaptable. And we as educators are unique for many reasons one of the things we're unique for in this modern world is we stay in one industry, mm-hmm. and we just progress through that industry and move up the levels. Our kids aren't gonna do that in no, the real no world. way. They're going to work across 10 different industries with 20 different jobs, probably only a year at a time in each job till they bounce around to the next thing. So we've got to prepare them for that, and that causes us as teachers to really think differently, because we don't care.
1: We've also got to allow for the fact they probably have three or four of their own side hustles. We've got kids now in high school who've got their own businesses going. it's We can't predict what they're going to do and the exact content or skills that they're going to need for those jobs, and we don't need to because mm. if we've created students with these six skills, they're going to be able to come up with those things for themselves. These are the things that they will be able to use to create whatever knowledge and, and skills they need for each each role that they take on, and that includes you know, the the less official job roles, it includes things like their relationships. Yeah. In fact, if they choose to be parents, it's it prepares them for the broad spectrum of life, not sitting in a box for the rest of their lives. Those days are over and yes. we need to be okay with that <laughs> and get rid of those horrible words. That's the way we've always done it. Yes. Throw them in the bin, move on and get excited about the fact that, We've got a whole new line of opportunities in front of us, a whole new generation of kids and a whole new world to prepare them for, and it's about who they become as humans. It's not about what they know. Google will always know more. (laughs) It's about who they are.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's the perfect spot to finish there, Em. Thank you so much for the time today. If people want to connect with you, what's your uh, YouTube uh, account if they (laughs) want to see the famous Emily Lowe YouTuber?
1: Um, So this is very much geared at sort of people with, very young children if they're interested in open-ended play and um, ethical toys and things like that. I know Ryan Shudders at the thought of anything environmentally friendly, but I'll, <laughs>
0: I'll forget it, forgive him. I, I'm a work in progress. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's uh,
1: Emmy and Co, E-M-M-E and Co, if anybody has small children wants to check it out. very much a work in progress. (laughs) That's
0: good. And and if someone wants to connect with you on Twitter, what's your Twitter handle?
1: I believe it's probably still Miss Reynolds HCC. I haven't changed that since I got married, which I should probably look at, but for now (laughs) we'll leave it as it is so people can find me if they want to.
0: Excellent. Well, thanks so much for your time, Emily. And, um, you know, I do encourage people out there, if you haven't got a hold of Michael Fullan's book, Deep Learning, that's a great starting point um, to see what's really possible in this world uh, moving forward with this. So thanks so much, Emily. Thanks for having me. If you know any awesome educators that we should have on this podcast, please reach out. Thanks for listening to the Talking About Pedagogy podcast from Holy Cross College. Be sure to find us at holycross.wa.edu.au and follow us on Twitter. Goodbye, God bless, and thank you for being my friends.